As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. And lo and behold, we are stood outside Old Trafford. It's whoa, coming up to midnight on Monday night. And Manchester United have won a football match against Liverpool. And what a noise there was inside this stadium. We're going to react to the game, of course. Uh, we're going to talk about Andy meeting Casemiro before the match and having a quiet word with him about life in Manchester making him feel settled straight away, which is great to hear. And then, of course, he took his place inside the stadium and watched that as well. So I'm sure he's not regretting his decision just yet. We'll also talk, of course, about the protests that took place tonight, widespread protests against the Glazer ownership of Manchester United. Andy Mitten was in amongst it and the Athletics reporter Dan Sheldon was as well. We'll hear from him and we'll also have a word at the end of the podcast from David Ornstein on what's set to be a busy end to the transfer window. Laurie Whitwell and Andy Mitten join me here. So... Andy, what a night that was. Did we see it coming? First, before we start doing a decent podcast, hopefully, is this recording right? Because when I last stood here with you after the Youth Cup win, I thought we did our best <laughs> podcast of the season, genuinely. Yeah, it was class. Yeah, but you, did, you forgot to press record. So well, are you recording I, I press record. It's just the fact that the lead wasn't quite connected. So, you know, we're working with modern technology here and I, I do struggle with it at times. It looks like it's recording. But this has become an infam infamous spot now, hasn't it? So, right. uh, if you're hearing us, it was a great win, wasn't it? Yeah, I can see it's recording. I can see things on the, on the screen. It was fantastic. I'm buzzing. I didn't expect it. I would have taken a draw all day long. United have been terrible so far this season and for most of the end of last season as well. I know Liverpool have struggled at the start of this season. Weren't really at the races this, this evening either, but it was brilliant. Good goals, fantastic atmosphere. So many players played well. So many of them needed to play well because they've been really underwhelming. I've just uh, been in the mix zone and we spoke to Rafael Varane and he probably had his best game for Manchester United. In fact, I said, is that, that, that your best moment since you came here? And just said, yes. See, si. We, oui, he's French. <laughs> Can you speak French, Why Andy? When I did my French oral exam, my teacher looked at me in disgust and said, you've clearly got something else on your mind. And to write, I had loads of fanzines printed, which I needed to sell against Charlton Athletic at Old Trafford the next day. 
First thought, world problem. I thought he was going to say something else when he said I've got loads of fan zines on my mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're probably hearing one of the catering trolleys just rattling past. Um, what can we see, Laurie? Can you describe the scene? There's a car waiting. There's fans still waiting for autographs. Who do you think they're expecting? Well, I don't know, because I think everyone's gone, haven't they? I mean, we, we saw Roy Keane having a little chat with Nick Cox and Darren Fletcher by the touchline. Uh, it looked like a, quite an energetic chat. But I would have thought most people have gone. But, I mean, these fans... Um, if they're not the same ones I guess but I was here outside here before the game and a load of them missed the players going in because obviously they've started coming in a lot earlier now for the team meal um, so I think Jane Sancho and Luke Shaw were the last ones in I could see and then people were sort of still waiting so I don't know if they're equally going to be disappointed by uh, you know the, the lack of players coming out but um, I'm sure you know I'm sure a load of fans got autographs and pictures it was a night for that kind of thing wasn't it not one of those nights where the players come out head bowed it's one of those ones where they can feed off the energy in the crowd give them what they want with, with pictures and autographs um, but yeah a, a good night and I think a kickstart to Eric Ten Hag's reign I was about to say that to you that felt like the first match of Eric Ten Hag's Manchester United reign didn't it? It was one that was built on big calls by him as well so he's obviously seen what he's seen at Brighton and then <laughs> the debacle that Brentford was and thought if I'm going to be a success here I need to do things the way that I want to do them so Ronaldo out the team you know clearly the, there is a correlation I would have thought there's people that think this between good word I just I, I plucked it then I was, I was scrambling you could see the panic on my face and all of a sudden out it pops um, between Ronaldo's uh, return to the team and the running stats that we all know about the fact that Eric Ten Hag then got his players to do that on the Sunday on their day off 13.8 kilometres the exact uh, distance that they didn't run uh, when compared to Brentford as a team um, so Ronaldo's on the bench Harry Maguire also on the bench captain two big calls mm. he, I mean even Luke Shaw you know that's the third even one even Fred and Luke Shaw are big Fred, calls yeah. Fred, McTominay in for Fred yeah. every single call that he made paid off because you had Malassia play you know make his you know, first starting debut and played really well um, Lisandro Martinez kept his place despite you know the uh, criticism of his height that we saw at Brentford. I mean, we can have a discussion about that, but I thought personally he was my man of the match for the fact that the aggression that he showed, he gave James Milner that sort of little you know scratch on the scalp as he was on the floor. You know that that kind of nasty. the early tackle on Mohamed Salah. Like I can't remember many Manchester United players doing anything like that in recent times and considering the way the atmosphere was at the start which I think fed off the fans protest outside which we'll talk yeah. about later on but it felt like a real anger and aggression inside the stadium at the start yeah. and he just matched that didn't he yeah if we've had a few punches we're going to punch back now you know this is the kind of counter punch and I thought that he did very well we're, somebody's coming out now so Alex is so, there we go and there was me thinking no one was left and it's the only only the greatest manager United have ever had with a hat tip to Samat Busby obviously as well um, but it was it was the one for the current manager that we're talking about in Eric Ten Hag and the fact that you had his new sign Christian Eriksen kept his place so his three new signings he put in the starting lineup, and then as you say um, you know even Scott McTominay early interception quick pass into Fernandez to set up Alanga Alanga the one that started for Ronaldo had a really good game got a booking from Trent Alexander-Arnold. He obviously wanted pace down the wings to really test Trent. And Definitely targeted the right-hand side, didn't they? 100%. It was interesting. I saw Benny McCarthy have a quiet word with Alanga at, at the final whistle. And I could tell exactly what he was talking about. Anthony, you should have put that chance away early on because that would have been even better tonight, wouldn't it? We'd have heard that song bouncing around Old Trafford a bit more as well. Well, it was bouncing already. It's, I walked in the ground 20 minutes in and we'll explain why. And it was bouncing to the Anthony Alanga song. 
talking about. You must have seen you coming, Andy. Well, maybe, maybe they did do. Who knows? You just thought the kickoff was seven forty-five, didn't you, Andy? Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was ready to get in the ground at seven forty-five, but the shutters were down. The best thing that I've seen in the last couple of hours is you mentioned the Sandro Martinez at the end of the game. He was punching the Old Trafford turf in celebration. Fantastic. When he signed, I said, I love an RG who gets stuck in. And it is a little bit of a stereotype. And we've got a Brazilian coming who does exactly the same as, as that. But he showed that tonight. And the other best thing I've seen was Laurie Whitwell on, on Sky Sports in front of a picture of the great Roger Byrne, captain of the Busby Babes. And he looks exactly the same as him. He's, Laurie's like got a proper 1950s head. And people are like talking about it on social media with good reason. I mean, I this think he's, is a compliment. Roger he's actually Byrne. gone viral. Roger Byrne was the captain of the Busby Babes. He was a Gorton lad, a Manchester lad, captain of Manchester schools. Captain of the Busby Babes. I feel honoured. Um, I didn't know that he was right next to me. I, I'm looking at the pictures, so I've got Paddy Power tweeting me saying... You know, why is this guy stood next to a, a ye olde picture of himself? Um, and about, obviously, I'd tell that as a compliment. But also, it's even down to the kit. You know, I've got like a red, red and white yeah. a red shirt on. And it, you know, I mean, it's like my own sort of Back to the Future kind of episode. If I could go back and be a Busby babe, what a thing to be. Well, I've also seen you play football. So I think it's the haircut <laughs> and maybe the red and white where the comparison None of the start. skills, absolutely. Yeah. Um, another thing about tonight as well with the manager, he showed a compromise in some of his principles, I thought, in that game, which is encouraging, isn't it? Because that uh, there was quite a few comments that we got off the back of the last podcast. I can't believe that you're already blaming the manager. It's not his fault. You know, it's the player's fault. It's the owner's fault, etc., etc. But we sort of gave him his share of the blame uh, in that Brentford match because of his approach. He changed quite a lot for that match tonight, didn't he? He needed a result. I didn't think he, he would get one. It's all right having a, a philosophy and all these principles and the styles of play and saying that fans should be patient, which fans should be, you still need to get results because every time Something you don't... Something to cling on to almost every, and build from. Yeah. Every time you don't get a result, the pressure builds and we've seen the pressure become pretty unbearable in the last couple of weeks because United were not expected to lose at home to Brighton and then that first half at Brentford, it was absolutely horrendous. You've got to have minimum standards and Manchester United weren't coming close to those standards. No one's expecting the team to win, win the league this year. Although we're now above Liverpool in the relegation battle. It's, it's, it's heading the right way, isn't it? It's crazy though, isn't it? That obviously it had been so bad before these two matches. And Liverpool, you're talking about one of the teams that, that Ten Hag sat in his first press conference here and said, you know, eras can come to an end. He was targeting Liverpool. He was targeting Manchester City. To win there tonight and go above Liverpool, yes, okay, they were 15th in the table or whatever else, but just in terms of making everyone feel a bit better, they'll have the inquest this week, not United. Yeah, it's huge because you can't, you can have all the principles in the world, you can tell players what you want them to be doing, but if you're not getting results, the buy-in is not going to happen. You know, it's difficult to get that kind of momentum going and have players on your side. It looked tonight like they were carrying out his instructions, you know, in terms of the pressing in terms of intercepts and get the ball forward. There was even, you touched on the compromise, you know, David De Gea did not pass it out from the back. He came out of his box very far one time because clearly that is something that Eric Tenag still wants. But he obviously thought there's no point pressing out against a team like Liverpool that press high. He actually called over to one goal kick for David De Gea. He called over Rashford, who was obviously a centre forward at that point. Come over, come over to Andy Robertson, pull on to him and tell him De Gea, right, this is where you hit it. So on the wing for the guy that you know is, is taller than his fullback. Did that a couple of times. So clearly he has tweaked things. 
But yeah, a result like that just, just gives a bit of momentum and okay, it, it keeps the Wolves at the door from his own personal position and it, it kind of, I think, just gives people hope that this could be the start of something. There was there was faults and he said there'll be some improvements as well that we need to have. You look at the way that Liverpool control possession a lot of the time. 70% possession, I was surprised by that. With that midfield as well, you know, let, let's look at that midfield. Milner, Henderson and Harvey Elliott, you know, it's not their strongest midfield by any stretch of the imagination, but still they did control it and Jürgen Klopp, you know, I think erroneously felt they deserved to win it because I still think whilst they controlled it, United kept their chances to a minimum and United had the better chances, but... I take the point that you can't be doing that week after week because you'll get found out eventually. But for this particular match, with the pressure that was on it, absolutely the right thing. Yeah, there's details on the Athletic at the minute, how Manchester United beat Liverpool. One of the details in that from Carl Anker is about the change in distribution from David De Gea, which I think was quite noticeable being here at the game and and watching the way that that changed. They've got to do it at Southampton again now though Andy haven't they this is just the start it needs to just be the start I spoke to Jaden Sancho after the match and he was quite keen to point that out you know this is only one game they all feel better but it has to be better again at the weekend I don't care what they do at Southampton it'll still be a draw because it always is when we've got a Southampton <laughs> we're bringing Dan James back for a one-all draw yeah could play six players and it'll still be one-all against, uh, against Southampton yeah there's in, in addition to the names we mentioned, what Rashford, brilliant way to Stretford end singing uh, for him tonight. How much better did he look, by the way? Yeah, confidence is a massive thing, isn't it? And just playing through the middle as well. Life in football, it's great. And, and again, a surprise. And uh, Malassia as well. I thought he had a bel- belting game. Um, Got to get a, another result at Southampton, because if not, if it's another defeat, an eighth consecutive away defeat, it's back to inquest time. It's back to the mood slipping back down to where it's been. It's just I just feel relief, like you can just breathe. And I'm sick of going to Manchester United games and watching the team go behind, watching the team lose matches, just to go to a game and see people smiling, leaving the ground, and having seen the team win. We used to take that for granted. You can't do that now. The team haven't been good enough to do that. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, of course, it wasn't just on the pitch that was notable this evening for Manchester United. Vast, vast numbers of Manchester United fans protested outside the ground, marched from the Tollgate pub around a mile away from the stadium to Old Trafford in the build-up to kick-off. And the Manchester news reporter for The Athletic, Dan Sheldon, has this report. We want 
So I arrived outside the toll gate at around 5.15pm and even by then there was a queue to get inside. It was a, a ticketed event so if you didn't have a ticket you weren't getting in but there was a notable queue going out onto the road and pavement. I took a walk around the side and went to the car park and they set up a metal fence and you, know, you could see inside the toll gate there were several hundred fans in there all singing you know, a range of anti-glazer chants to songs about Robin Van Persie, Wayne Rooney, George Best, Gary Neville. You know, it was a really good atmosphere. I thought it could have turned at one point. Uh, a, a coach was waiting at the traffic lights and a, a group of supporters started throwing cans of beer at the coach. A couple hit windows. Fortunately, the lights turned green and the coach was able to move on. You know, at one point, flares were being set off inside the toll gate. Uh, a metal fence was kind of pulled down by a, a small section of fans trying to get into the event. But the security quickly stop that and put the fence back up for too long I've kind of sat on the side and no done my bit and no jumped in so I thought well now's the time get them out while they're on the ropes my one worry about United is always it's turned into too much of a tourist club you know so I feel like if enough of us make our voices hard stand together not fight each other keep it peaceful then it won't be good things said about us and then we'll hopefully get the effect that we desire do you think you can keep it peaceful? Yeah, I believe in the fans of this club. I think there's a lot of misrepresentation of protests in the media. Um, so I think that it's going to be mostly peaceful. I've only been here for about 10, 15 minutes. But on my walk up here from the car, which was up past Trinity Way, all that kind of lot, and I've seen plenty of people like waiting for people just to jump in and things like that. So I think it will be a lot bigger than what you see now. And I think we'll have the desired impact. And if not the Glazer family, who? Because that will be the, the next struggle, won't it? It's yeah. finding someone with that money and the resources to buy Manchester yeah, United. Yeah, for me, it's, it's got to be Jim Ratcliffe. I think Michael Knight needs to stay far away from it. So let's get big Jim in. I think around 6.40, 6.40 p.m., the supporters started flowing out of the toll gate and onto the you know the surrounding roads, ready for the march towards Old Trafford. You know, on the on the walk down again, you, you just, you're just taken aback by the sheer volume of supporters, easily into the the several thousands. You know, they they said ten thousand, and I wouldn't be surprised if it if it hit that number. Uh, on the walk, you know, we saw again more flares, more anti-glazer chants, lots of banners. Caught up with a couple of supporters on the way down. One man had flown over from Norway today just for the protest he didn't have a ticket for the game so you know had no intention of going inside Old Trafford but just wanted to show his support for the, for the protest for the movement and do his bit to try and get the Glazers out and a couple of other supporters you know seasoned supporters I'd say by by their appearance said they thought this was notable in terms of the number of supporters on this one I've just joined the protest here, but yeah, it's looking pretty, pretty good, pretty good turnout, yeah. What I'm worried about is a bit of conflict down there with the empty out and the people going into the ground, so... It's hard to say, but no, this looks like one of the bigger ones I've seen for quite a long time. Uh, well, let's bloody hope so. <laughs> and who knows, they're apparently here, aren't they? So let's let's see. Not, not that I'm advocating it, but the... Um, the getting the game called off last year hit a lot of headlines, didn't it? So I'm not advocating that, but I think peaceful protests only go so far.
outside Old Trafford, maybe around half seven. They remained there for a short while, continued singing songs, but then eventually the, the crowd dispersed and a group of maybe 400, 500 remained outside. I think it's been good. It seems to have been peaceful. Uh, I hope it's big. There's uh, plenty of people still coming there. Down Martin Busby Way, we need to send a big signal to the owners that we've had enough of this. They've been taking money out of the club for too long. I'm not overly optimistic. There's been protests before, the Glazers have always clung on, but I'm hoping this one's different. I think there's a change in mood. It's come with the team not performing. Of course, that's what everyone wants, so if the team's not doing it, the protests are going to get bigger. What I think will make the difference is if big numbers don't go into the stadium. We've seen marches before, we've seen protests outside the stadium. But Old Trafford's still full. The owners are happy with that. People are paying and going in. If we start seeing uh, big, big sections of empty seats, particularly at high-profile games like this, then that could start making a difference. One takeaway, and it would be keen to, to point out, is they wanted a peaceful protest, and on the whole, I think it was peaceful. Like, you know, there was a significant police presence at times, but at no point did I see any trouble or any grief that the police had to deal with so I think they should be immensely proud that they conducted a, a protest of this size of this scale and did it peacefully as they said they would of course you know there was the coach at the toll gate but beyond that there's there's nothing I can I can really think of and the hope will be that it has a desired effect and the Glazers take note but you know we won't know tonight whether it did have that impact but I'm sure they'd like an answer soon. So that was Dan's take on things, Andy. You were in amongst it as well. What was your take? I was stood on some at Busby Way because we had our lads selling United We Stand. So I knew what was coming because there was a big march coming down from, from the toll gate. Uh, lots of photographers around. There was a lot of tension in the air. And yet it also seemed there were a lot of fans walking to the game oblivious. It, it, it always interests me that you think that that's all anyone's talking about because it's all over social media. And there are still people who don't know that there are, there are protests planned. Um, it set off from the toll gate at 7 o'clock. The numbers were huge. I'm talking thousands of people. And they swept past us. We're selling United We Stand. And I recognized a lot of the people there. These were hardcore Manchester United fans who cared deeply about their club. And I, I walked with them onto the forecourt. Uh, the air was thick with sulfur even thicker in the Munich tunnel because it wasn't out in the open. People had flags against the Glazers. They were singing about wanting the Glazers out. And I was struck by the numbers. I got into the Munich tunnel 20 minutes, 25 minutes before kickoff and waited there for 45 minutes. And I'd say for 35 of those minutes, people were just walking past all the time. There were thousands of Manchester United fans protesting before the game against Liverpool tonight. Thousands. I'm not on about one, two, three. I'm on about eight or nine or 10,000 people. It, the whole of Samat Busby Way was full of fans walking in unison and singing songs. So that shows the strength of feeling. And that's not going to go away. We might have ebbs and flows with the strength of feeling, but it is still significant, as significant as, as I have ever seen. How much of a statement do you think it was, Laurie? Yeah, I think, as Andy said, I was inside the stadium um, and 
you can see the videos coming in and I was looking at it thinking that is a lot of people it, it, it did it, you could sense it even just from the videos like you didn't actually have to well, from, from the, the, the camera it's called bat cam right. in television industry I don't know exactly what that means but it's a bat in the air I guess filming the crowds it gives you a real idea of the, the exact size and like Andy said there was a lot a lot of Manchester United fans there and I wondered, so I was in, and at no point I would say did it feel like there was people missing, though, from the crowd. So that was interesting. I, I wondered if that would be the case. But what you did get was a real energy in the crowd. Like Obviously, it's Liverpool. Obviously, most of the chants are positive. But it almost fed into the electricity and atmosphere that you had this anger. The joy almost was wrapped in with it. You know, when the goals went in, after each goal, there was anti-glazer chants. At half time, anti Glazer chance. When when Casimiro came out as well, yeah. Exactly. In fact, it was almost a point at which this is your new signing that you spent loads of money on. The money, by the way, that you know we put into the club because it's all from the fans. It's not from the owners, um, either through tickets, through merchandise, or through the broadcast, you know, revenue that you know people pay for in the Sky and BT subscriptions. And almost like this is your shiny new thing. Well, actually, we're going to still at this exact moment talk about the Glazers and how we want them to go. Um, there was lots of green and gold scarves in the stadium, lots of um, green and, and yellow kits, you know, from early 90s. So I do feel like it, it really was, you know, kind of, um, you know, together as one, the, the kind of get the Glazers out, but also support the team. And that was an, it was a nice balance to have. And I think if, if they keep that up, that'll just keep it present in people's minds. Now, by the end of the game, you had a lot of fans uh, reporting the players. It was it was kind of unanimous. There was I, don't, I didn't hear any Glazer chance at the end of the game when the players were on the pitch. And what I did notice, if I can just briefly flick it back onto the football momentarily, is Jaden Sancho stayed out for a long time at the end. And I kind of felt, is that the, the real first time that you've had a, a, a warmth, like a connection with the fans? Because the way he took his goal was absolutely brilliant. I mean, he sat down half the stadium, didn't he? He sat down, James Milner in particular, who then... And the goalkeeper. And the goal, I mean, the goal, you had Bruno next to him pointing by the way that's an open goal you just yeah. it was fa- in slow motion it was great wasn't it it was yeah. brilliant and then you've got James Milner you know up in Virgil van Dijk's grill saying why didn't you get closer and that's the kind of stuff that you want from your players skill that creates havoc in the opposition um, and I think he, he savoured it and we do have to we'll touch on it very briefly now but I wonder what he does in future because you, you people talk about Cristiano Ronaldo having this kind of presence over the team and, and the, the way that he kind of changed the dynamic of the squad Sancho and Rashford did did They'd look liberated. You know, I wonder, is that the, the, the link? Is, is that some, Maybe it's too simplistic, but I certainly felt that they, they gave a full account of themselves, even pressing. So just if I can flick it back onto that and then back to the protest, I do feel like that was a, a real statement. And you wonder, even with the victory, even with the fact that United are making signings, whether that is a, a sort of change and that people keep this going. And it was peaceful as well. As That's far, important to point out. Yeah. Yeah. As far as I could see. Yeah, and me it, too. And it was also real life. So when... Uh, I had journalists saying to me over the last couple of days, is Old Trafford going to be empty? This was never going to happen. This was something that grew legs on the internet and it wasn't anchored in any individual, in any group. It didn't have any credibility. And I saw some people who should know better saying Old Trafford's going to be empty. It was never going to be empty. What did have credibility was the march, uh, which was organised down from, from the Tollgate pub, as you've mentioned, by the 1958 group. We had a coming together of a, a lot of fan groups, and it's just a mass of people. And those those people are good people. They care about Manchester United. That's their community. And I wouldn't say there was civil war tonight at all, because 
everyone was pretty unanimous in how they fell. And we still have this, this cloud of the, of the Glazer ownership. It's been there for a long time and it's not going to go away. Just to finish on a, on a football point that Laurie mentioned a moment ago for this section, what do you think about leaving Ronaldo out? Was that something that liberated some of the other attacking players like Laurie mentioned? I was told when he came back, the mood changed after a really good pre-season. Uh, Is that this season when he came yeah, back? Yeah, yeah, this season. No, not as in when no. he re-signed? No, I think everyone was, was buzzing when he signed. We certainly were, yeah. We were. Don't want to listen back to that podcast. And to be fair to him, he scored plenty of decent goals as well. But there's a, there's a some pretty strong voices and people within the club that would be better if he wasn't um, at Manchester United. I just don't think he, there's been any offers to take him away. Ten Hag made several big shouts and that was one of them. Crucially, he got them right. And he's the manager. He should be the most important person at the club. And the more he makes big calls and gets them right, the more uh, strength and power to his elbow, the more he'll be vindicated, the more he'll have confidence to, to get it right. Because if he doesn't and the team carry on losing, ultimately he'll lose his job. So he's tended to start slow at all the clubs he's gone to as a manager. He pointed out as well, didn't he, in his press conference that there was problems at the start of his reigns at other clubs. I thought that was quite an interesting answer that he gave. Well, it's also the truth. And I think if you ask him... In private, are these players good enough? He would have doubts over several of them. So the issues are not going to be rectified in the first half of this season. He's had a good look at some of these players and he won't think that some of them are good enough. But he can't move, he can't change 16 players. Not, not saying he wants to change 16, but he's got a big, big job to do. And that's not going to change with one win over Liverpool. Speaking of big jobs to do, you've still got to go home and write your take on tonight at some point, Laurie, haven't you? It's midnight now. What are you going to write about? It's, I think it'll flow from my fingertips. I say this every time and every time my editors roll their eyes and it's like four or five hours later when it finally lands and they're like, are you, are you close yet? And I'm like, well, me replying to you saying 10 minutes, you know, whatever you know, figurative amount of time I'm going to pluck out of thin air um, <laughs> is actually taking time up. I love all of them, by the way. Please don't sack me. You know, you do a great job and you've saved me countless times when I've made mistakes in my copy. But um, I think this one will be okay because it's a clear mind. It's Eric Ten Hag's victory, the choices that he made paid off. And just touching once again on Ronaldo, sorry, guys, but he said after the game in this press conference, yeah, of course he can play. You know, it's, it's different, um, different uh, sides for different teams. I think ultimately, though, he was making a statement to the dressing room, to the players, that actually I'm, I'm the boss here, I, I pick the team. Well, when the article does flow from Laurie's fingers, as he says later on, you can go to The Athletic to go and read it, of course, and you can subscribe now for just £1 a month for the first six months. Go to theathletic.com forward slash pod and sign up to get full access to all our great writing and ad-free versions of The Athletic's podcast as well. That's theathletic.com forward slash pod. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is Welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu.
it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So, not only has Andy Mitten been here with us late, he was also here quite early laying out the welcome mat for Casimiro. But not before Laurie Whitwell thought he'd got the real scoop tonight. Is that right, Laurie? Well, this is it. You know, I thought I'd been Tenerife and Andy's been Elevenerife tonight because <laughs> I, I, I managed to time my entrance to Old Trafford, sort of leisurely strolling along, you know, minding my own business, looking up at the sky, looking up at the beautiful paintwork at Old Trafford, by the way. New signage, you know. Do we need a renovation, you know? <laughs> the paint's looking well. Yeah. Tongue in cheek. And also, by the way, the press decks, press, press desks, that's hard to say, have been painted black. They're still quite old and they still sort of take a bit of a jolt to get out. But listen, a new lick of paint, fine. Um, but yeah, I was walking along and all of a sudden this car pulls up. I hear a little bit of murmuring from the fans that are gathered. Oh, it's Casemiro there. All right, I better get my phone out. Get a little, get a little video of it. Everyone's bouncing. We're all happy. It goes, goes a bit viral. I'm thinking happy days. And then... He goes into Old Trafford and who does he see? Who is he coming to see? Who's coming to see me? <laughs> Had a good chat with the lad. Look, he can't speak English and uh, I was asked to Neither can out. you. Neither can I. Imagine him start doing this. a really strong Manchester accent and that. <laughs> and I want him to feel welcome when he comes to Manchester United. I think he's a fantastic player. He said he wants to learn English and his, his family are keen to learn it as well. And... I just had a good chat with him. I've been to his country a lot of times and I know I was told that he'd spent the day with like his agents talking rather than him. And I'm not saying he would have found it mystifying because he knew he knew what was going on. He knew that he'd signed for Manchester United, you know what I mean? You'd hope so, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, but... Well, he had quite an emotional day in fairness because he, he th this morning he was at his press conference in Madrid saying goodbye and he was quite emotional in that. He was very keen to underline that Madrid was in the past and that Manchester United's the future. And I was really impressed by some of the lines he came out with about, you know, I, I train as I play. I mean, he's a top, top player. He's one of the best players in the world. So I've read interviews with him and I've heard him speak uh, quite a lot and I had a good chat with him. And, and he speaks well. I think he's an intelligent person. Um, Carlo Ancelotti always considered him to be someone who would be a coach. And just after the game then, we spoke also to Rafael Varane and he was smiling. He was buzzing because Casimiro's come because he's going to play right in front of him because he's absolutely brilliant. So we're all smiling now, aren't we? Because we saw, we've seen Varane play great and we're, we're full of optimism about how Casimiro can play. And is he old commission, Varane, for the work that he's done to get Casimiro here, do you think? <laughs> he's sort of, he's one of these where, when, you know, sometimes footballers go, yes, no, yes, yeah, but no, but yeah, no, right? And I'm thinking, he's telling journalists that he hasn't spoken to him. And I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute, because I've just spoke to Casimir and he said he's had plenty of chats with you, son. Are you lying? <laughs> Surely not. He posted a picture of himself, like, smiling, didn't he? A selfie, as if, you know, Agent Varane in, in, in the mix. And, you know, the information that we had was that, yeah, he had spoken to him. And definitely spoke to him. There we go. Thank you, Andy. And, and, and some, of the, some of the, you know, wags on, online would say... Wait, so Varane's been speaking to Casemiro and he still wants to come. You know, obviously that's the kind of gag, isn't it? Um, and I do think, you know, it, 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 you, can, you get a sense from him that he's a serious 
um, professional and Eric Tanag said afterwards that he knows how to win he knows how to win trophies that's that's going to be a guidance for, for this squad clearly there are some not concerns I suppose but you, you've got to take a, a, a step and just go 30 a lot of money you know yeah, yeah. wages as well as transfer fee different profile of midfielder than the one that you know Tanag have been chasing you know in, in Melbourne he told us didn't he the, the defensive we said what you know what do you want from a holding midfielder and he basically described Frankie de Jong in terms of breaking the lines with the ball that's obviously one that United feel they, they can't do and so instead the switch to Casemiro when it exactly got proposed you know United will say that he's been someone that they've attracted pretty much all summer but you know clearly him being on the bench for the first La Liga game maybe that's a, a catalyst for his mind thinking I need to need to go here but nonetheless he's obviously a player that will you know, improve Manchester United, and, and I mean, but you do look at that midfield. I guess you could see him slotting in maybe next to Christian Eriksen. It, it's kind of not going to get in that midfield, is it? The way they played. I was thinking that you know maybe that's all you needed, just you know someone breathing down the neck saying, "Well, your your place is up for up for grabs here, son." So, um, but I mean, listen, even Fred when he came on, sort of did did the right bits, didn't he? But I suppose that's the one thing. How will he exactly fit? You know, I think that's going to have some adaptation from Ten Hag in terms of exactly what he wants, but clearly a, a quality player. So. You know, you can see why United at this moment was it a uh, reaction to the Brentford defeat that they they've gone actually we do need to put this money in and, and you know we're told that there was at the very top of the club uh, deliberations I suppose as to if, whether they really wanted to commit this amount of money to a player. Now they will say they do that for every signing, which is fair enough. But it, these are considerations. I think most people now are just hoping. Can't wait to see him on the pitch, Man United. Yeah, your piece inside the transfer is on the Athletic right now, Laurie, as well. Andy Mitten has been smiling and scrolling through his camera roll. What are you going to bring us, Andy? I just remembered that someone sent us a Casimiro song. If this could be pulled off, it, Here we go. it, it would just be brilliant. But It'd be really hard, I've got to be honest. It's from uh, Awesome Matt. I think he had a hand in the air. Have you, you got the name right this time, by the way? No, I got it wrong. The bottom line is it's a good right. Pet Shop Boys are a good band. They knocked out loads and loads of hits. They had a song called Pie and Arrow. It was about the kids in Milan. And someone sent this in and it would go something like Cleberson, Anderson, Possebon, De Silva, De Silva, Pereira, Fred, Teles, Casimero, the whole end bouncing. Casimero, whoa. If Manchester United fans could pull that off, because it's a belting song, loads of people would know it. Anything that mentions Rodrigo Possibon is a benefit for me, to be fair. Wow. Rodrigo is living in Porto Alegre. And of course you know he's this. He's a very nice lad. He's, yeah, he's, a, he's a lovely lad. He's um, played in some mental countries like Vietnam. And is uh, a lovely boy, Rodrigo Possibon. Um, Casimero um, was name-checking people like Michael Carricky. <laughs> You've got to do this again. <laughs> Bull Scalzi. At least Scalzi's actually okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll accept yeah. that one. Was it Paulie Scalzi? Uh, I really wanted to just become immature like we would be on this podcast and start like saying, are you an upgradey? But I just thought, no, I've got to be serious. I've got to be a proper journalist here and do my, <laughs> do my job properly. I reckon if I would have had a few hours with him, I would have had him saying facey boogie. Isn't Nicky Butty the perfect Man United player for him to say? Yeah, he'd be, he'd be decent. He loved um, Rio Ferdinand, um, Edwin van der Sar. He knew a surprising amount about Manchester United. He's absolutely... He's done his research He's then. buzzing to be here. He's yeah. buzzing to be here. Because like, Real Madrid aren't like a village football club, are they? They're like Real Madrid. He's buzzing to be here. I will tell you, apparently the players are as well. You know, They're, they're yeah. looking at this thinking, good, we, we need someone of this calibre in the club. 
Yeah, it's good to hear, isn't it? Yeah, because sometimes when players have come in, when Robin Van Persie walked into that dressing room, the rest of them just went, all right, we're not messing about here. We're serious. Um, when Zlatan Ibrahimovic walked in, it was a similar reaction. But Real Madrid have been the best team in world football by a mile in the last decade. If he brings all of his trophies over, he'll need another plane for him. He's the main man. And he's coming here and just don't want to get too carried away because Di Maria was brilliant for Real Madrid. Feinstein. Varane? Varane, well, he was. Underwhelming tonight. last season, wasn't he? Yeah, but tonight. <laughs> yeah, tonight, tonight changed things, yeah. Tonight. tonight, I just looked at him thinking, you are a complete head, mate. I didn't say that to him, like. No, you have mentioned it before, though. Um, you mentioned about proper journalists before. Well, I caught up with one earlier. Uh, David Ornstein, a football <laughs> correspondent for The Athletic. Ooh. Present company, uh, obviously, uh, accepted as well. Um, and he told us about who Manchester United are hoping to add at the end of this busy transfer window. Casemiro walked past me before the match. I managed to sneak a pick onto social media. And I think this is an amazing signing. He conveyed some real gravitas when he was walking past everybody was turning around and trying to catch a glimpse of him he's in great shape he carries himself well he's a multiple champions league winner from real madrid and walking he even down, smelt good when he walked past me to be fair like roses and and <laughs> you imagine so a brazilian international who's been playing in madrid for so many years um we're going to bring him back down to earth in the northwest of england i'm Absolutely. sure yeah, his hair will get very wet very quickly <laughs> But um, I, I think that's, uh, you know, there's been a lot of scrutiny. Uh, Laurie's written about it, actually, about the price tag and, and he's 30, be 31 in February. Um, it's a gamble from United's perspective. But from a footballing perspective, I absolutely love him. I think he was a bit of a, an unsung hero within that triumvirate at Real Madrid with Cruz and uh, Modric. He uh, made them tick a lot of the time. Uh, he was never phased by the big occasion or by pressure, which he's going to experience here. When he's come away to places like the Etihad Stadium, Anfield, Old Trafford and Champions League finals, all of which I've often been at, um, he never shirks a challenge. He never gets phased. Uh, maybe that's the Brazilian international in him. Um, I think he's a midfield colossus. Um, I think that he is exactly what United need. I'm not saying uh, Frankie de Jong wasn't because they do need also that playmaker, that quarterback style role and, and maybe they'll still get something like that. But I also think they needed this and they've got it. Yeah, it's a long contract, four years plus one. I think it will be worthwhile. And then on to the other bits of recruitment that may follow. Um, Anthony is clearly one who remains of strong interest. We see reports every day that United are readying another bid, that they've made another bid, that another bid's been rejected. A lot of that isn't true. Some elements are. Um, I think it would be crazy for Ajax not to sell him. I don't think he's worth the numbers that are being talked about, but a player's worth what somebody will pay for, for them. And it's the moment as well, isn't it? It feels like... Yeah, for, I mean, Manchester United have been exploited in this situation. They probably could have got him for less earlier in the summer. I don't know if there was some agreement when they signed Lissandro Martinez that you don't come back in for him. And now that they have, they've hiked the price up with the deadline uh, fast approaching. And Manchester United aren't going away, which makes you think at some point Ajax are going to relent. Uh, they really should, to be honest. I don't know how good he is because I haven't seen enough of him. I speak to people who do and they say he's good, but in the Dutch league and when you see the evidence of tonight, you think United have have got a lot in their current squad, but yeah, they do need a bit more. So let's see how it pans out on Anthony. I'm, I'm not totally convinced it will happen because 
Ajax have a lot of pressure. Uh, their manager has had a squad that's been stripped to pieces by the transfer window. Um, he's competing in the Champions League this season. Yes, they're never going to get more for Anthony than they're being offered at the moment. But one good season in the Champions League that sees them bring in revenues and... and uh, perform well and, and have sporting progress and they might still get a really respectable fee for him so there is a dilemma there for Ajax meanwhile Manchester United have got a dilemma do they really commit that amount of money when push comes to shove are they just testing the water or do they focus on somebody like Cody Gakpo PSV Eindhoven a more realistic financial level but they're also um, pushing for Champions League qualification have they got there yet no, they've got to play Rangers, haven't they? Yeah, yeah they've got the, playoff, the, yeah. The, the tie against Rangers. So uh, that seems maybe a bit more realistic. There have been suggestions that they might be going for both and counter-suggestions that it's one or the other. As far as I know, they were going for both, but I'm not saying they will come out with both. They retain an interest in Frankie de Jong. I do not think they will get Frankie de Jong. I think that's become pretty clear now. Um, but they were also in the market for a some depth at right back for a backup goalkeeper so United have a lot to do on terms of incomings and I think it's going to be a, a fascinating nine days ahead as we record this and I think tonight will help them significantly because any player watching that match and listening to that atmosphere will probably fancy being a part of it or not any player but many players whereas if you ask the same about the Brentford match a few days previously, most would say we don't want to be anywhere near that. And these things do change the minds of footballers and the money helps as well. But what they did show tonight, Manchester United, is that they don't need transformational surgery to this squad. They've got a lot of uh, good players already. And if they can add to them uh, in, in these final days, then um, it can be a more exciting season than many United fans and perhaps this podcast we're predicting. Thank you, David. Good way to end it. So Anthony for a lot of money, Laurie, or Cody Gakpo for not as much money. Is that the choice that's left or is there more to come plus that? It seems like that's the final choice. Um, Anthony's the one that, for me, I'm hearing more about. Um, Cody Gakpo has been one that I think PSV only want to look into once they beat or lose to range in the Champions League. I think that will affect the price that um, he goes for. I'm just having to talk over a some very, drunken men enjoying themselves. I was going to say jubilated, but you've gone for intoxicated, which I think is probably more accurate. It's got louder. There we go. I'll, I'll try and speak up. Um, but Anthony, I mean, he watched the game tonight, didn't he? We saw that. Um, his agent posted uh, something on Instagram. So clearly he's stoking the flames. I've heard from people in Amsterdam that he is pushing for this big time. Um, he obviously wasn't in the squad against Sparta away um, on Sunday, which I think is a, a key thing. You know, if, if a player is to that point where he, he doesn't feel right to play for his current team, um, that's usually an indication that something is brewing. You know, I've heard you know suggestions that United will go back in with another bid. We were reported on the eighty million euro bid that went in last Wednesday, got rejected by Ajax. I suppose the only thing that you'd say here is that is this. Eric Ten Hag. Eric Ten Hag is still here. So there we go. We were thinking, why? Why are they waiting? They're waiting for the main man. Um, and I mean, we can go and over and ask him maybe. Go and ask him about Anthony. Yeah. But um, the only thing I suppose I would say is clearly Eric Ten Hag knows him and he's, he's brought players in. The club have, have brought players in for him that he knows well in the main, um, that he knows that they'll um, carry out his instructions. United, the price, I think I heard David talk about this earlier, is obviously a lot of money. So you've got to consider that. Um, he's, he's young, so I guess he's got room to grow. 
could they have done this earlier in the summer for less money? That's that's one sort of um, suggestion. But I suppose at this stage now, Eric Tanag will be hopeful that he can get another player in. Pulisic is not dead. Uh, I'm a terrible journalist because I spoke to PSV Eindhoven this morning and they rang me back just as my plane was taxiing. So, <laughs> so I, I, I've, I've got to go. The plane's about to take off. Call you in a bit. Call you in a bit. And I, I never chased them back. No, I, I never chased them up because I'm obviously I've had a busy day. Because oh, you were meeting Casimiro and watching United beat Liverpool. Whoa, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I will ring PSV in the next couple of days. He'll probably be on it, 1950s head over there, ringing him up, doing his stuff. Well, he's already walked off and he's on it doing videos of Eric Ten Hag signing autographs. And now there's a video of Andy and I finishing off the podcast. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you for being committed to the very end. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Nearly as much as you enjoyed the football. A brilliant result for Manchester United against Liverpool. And we'll be back on Talk of the Devils later on this week to preview Southampton. But for the minute, just enjoy it. It's been a difficult start to the season. It's been a difficult couple of weeks. And that was brilliant. See you on the next one. Bye-bye. Athletic.